Father, you're a God who's good and kind. We have enjoyed greatly listening to your voice through your word as we've journeyed through Luke's gospel. This morning is a hard word. Help us to listen. This morning is a hard word. Please teach us. This morning is a hard word. Please help us to obey. And therefore we need your strength and help. Amen. Ernest Gordon. Ernest Gordon in the Second World War found his existence threatened. You see, he was in a Japanese concentration camp which was notorious for its difficulty, notorious for its hardship, notorious for, well, people who went in very rarely came out. And if you were to read the book to end all wars, you would read his story. Shortly after he entered the uh, wire formed gates and passed the guards and the sentries, he thought his life was coming to an end. He thought he wouldn't see the war out. He would never know liberation because he was interned. In time, he somehow, in God's kindness, regained strength and became a Christian within the barbed wired enclosure of the camp in which he find himself in. He was a prisoner of war, and yet God found him close to the River Kwai. There was a small number, a handful of Christians who gathered together week by week to pray, to study God's word, and to sing. They would sing, they had very limited resources, but they knew the Lord's Prayer. And so every time they met, they would say the Lord's Prayer together. But as they said familiar words that we all know, our Father who art in heaven, and so on, there was one clause that really stuck in their throats. There was one sentence that they could not say. There was one petition where they faltered week by week. This is what Ernest Gordon said. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Gordon explained. It was because it meant asking forgiveness for the Japanese that we couldn't say these words. We had learned from the Gospels that Jesus had his enemies just as we had our enemies. But there was a difference. He loved his enemies. He prayed for them. Even his nails were being hammered through his hands and feet. He cried out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. But we hated our enemies. We could see how wonderful it was that Jesus forgave in his way. Yet for us to do the same seemed beyond attainment. It's something we could never do. We could never forgive our enemies, says Ernest Gordon. We've been journeying through Luke's Gospel. Jesus has been saying a lot about a disciple, what it means to follow him, how we spend our money, how we use our time, how we pray for people, how we treat people who are different from us. Our hopes in the present are promises for the future. Jesus has explained all of that. And yet here in chapter 17, especially the verse 3 verses, there is a hard word that we need to hear as Jesus says, I'm not just interested in how you spend your money. I'm not just interested in how you use your time, your promises for the future, your joy in the present. A sign that you're a disciple of mine, a sign that you're a true follower of mine, a sign that you know me, that's going to be seen in a habitual way, a continuous way, a present way of how you forgive people. 
If you're a follower of mine, you will have the power to forgive people. I know you find it really difficult, says Jesus, but a sign that you're a follower of mine is that you are not going to have a bitter root in your heart. You're not going to find it easier to forgive people, but you are going to have the power to forgive people, says Jesus. And he says this to the disciples that have followed him. And do you know what they say, verse 5? This is my paraphrase. No way. We can't do it. Verse 5, Jesus says to his disciples, I want you to be a people who forgive your enemies. Forgive your brothers and sisters habitually when you need to, when it's commanded of you. And what do the disciples say? Verse 5, increase our faith. There's no way we can do this. We need more faith. And Jesus says, no, you don't. You don't need more faith. Verse 5, if you've got the faith that I've given to you, verse 6, if you've just got enough that's the size of a mustard seed that is tiny, you can do this. You can forgive people. If you've got faith the size of a mustard seed, you can tell a mountain to move. You can throw it into the sea. And if you can do that, you sure can forgive people. But how? Let's look at it. Why do we need it? Why do we need the power to forgive people? Verse 3, Jesus begins teaching his disciples, and it's something that we can just rush through. Jesus says these words, watch yourselves. Jesus says to his disciples, watch out. When someone wrongs you, when someone hurts you, even when someone disappoints you, when someone slanders you, it's really easy to pay great attention to them. It's really easy just to have yourself in a kind of a soft focus, but the people that have hurt you, the people that have said that unkind word against you, they are in sharp, clear relief, aren't they? You can see every fault in their lives. You can remember every word that they've said to you with crystal clarity, as if you're listening through Bose top-of-the-range speakers. You can remember every word. And Jesus says, when someone hurts you, watch yourselves because there is a danger when someone hurts you you can go into analytical mode of every word and motive that you think they have in their hearts from those few words that they said to you and you give yourself a load of charity you talk in absolutes that lie that they said about you that means that they're a liar when you tell lies oh that's because you're complex when you say a harsh word, that's because you've had a hard day. When that other person, when they said a harsh word to you, well, they always speak harshly. You speak definitively. You speak in absolutes. You give yourself a lot of slack, but you speak very concretely about the person that's hurt you, that's wounded you, that's been unkind to you. And Jesus says, watch yourselves. You need to watch out for this danger. When you're tempted to think analytically, when you're tempted to reflect and mull over someone as they've said something unkind about you, as they've wronged you, you need to watch yourselves. The writer to the book of Hebrews in Hebrews 12, he says it in a different way. He says, verse 15, see to it that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it you may become defiled. We've all been there. That word of anger that's been said against us, that, that word that's been has potential just to remain in our psyche and then worm its way into our heart and fester. It's the garden there in each one of us. So if you come to our house, you will remember, there used to be just, I kid you not, 15, 20 foot high bamboo that uh, blocked our house from the main road. 
So I thought, being a good horticultural person, I'll just chop the whole sucker down. So I chopped it right the way down. Out went the leaves, out went the shoots. I tried to kind of get a few roots out, but a strange thing happened as I attacked it nuclear warfare style with Roundup. This is shock and awe in the gardening sphere. But you know what happened? The shoots were gone, the leaves were gone. But there's something happening underneath the ground. The rhizomes, the roots, they're still growing, they're still working. And so sure, I'd done some temporary damage, but the root was still doing its work. Energy was still being sucked in from the ground around it. And underneath the ground, hidden from my mind's eye, hidden from my sight, there was work going on. There was fruit being cultivated. There were new leaves and new shoots popping up here and there. Because I dealt with everything above the ground, but the roots were still there. And Jesus is saying, watch out. When people speak ill of you, when you get hurt, watch yourselves. Lest there be not just a root of uh, bamboo in your front garden, but a root of bitterness right in your heart. Watch out. Watch out lest that happen in your heart. The Bible says, and this is the whole point, you never really admit how angry you are when someone crosses you when someone wrongs you, when someone misrepresents you, you never really admit how much of a root of bitterness that has a potential to fester and grow in your spirit. Watch out. You can be controlled by it. You can find it hard to forgive because it's at work, doing its work in your spirit. Watch out. It can have a power over you for years. How do I know that? Because I've struggled with it. I was on the other side of the Atlantic and still there is a relationship on this side of the Atlantic that I hadn't made right. Some words were said, I kid you not, 10, maybe even 11 years earlier about my character and I remembered them and they grew. I thought I'd dealt with them but they were in there and they were in there really deep. And it took God and his grace 10, maybe 11 years until I was on a plane temporarily coming back and I saw somebody, the person that I needed to see, and I said, sorry. Sorry, because this has remained in my spirit for 11 years and I want to move on and I forgive you. And we did. We had reconciliation. If someone has done something wrong to you, there's a great temptation for this root to grow and it produces the fruit of cynicism. I can't trust anybody anymore because I've been hurt. It can produce the fruit of joylessness, the fruit of a hard heart, the fruit of disappointment and discouragement, all from that root. And so Jesus says, watch out. Just think, for example, your parents. It's been said that children raise parents. That might be right. Say that your parents have been hard to you when you were young, when you were growing up. There is a harsh, unloving atmosphere in your home. That can cause huge damage. It can cause a root to grow in your spirit so that it changes every adult relationship you have. You can't trust people the way you'd long to. You can't trust people in authority because you've been shaped by your experiences when you grew up. You might be shaped by a relationship that, that didn't work out, that went south, and so you think you can't love anybody or trust anybody in the future. Watch out, because a root can grow in your spirit, says Jesus, that can make it impossible or really difficult for you to forgive someone. Watch out. 
because you can become twisted and changed by it. Watch out. Because forgiveness is hard. That's the first thing. Second thing, what does it mean to forgive? Here are two things from verse 3. It's very dense. We're spending most of our time in verse 3. Two things we need to learn about forgiveness. We know it's hard. We know it's difficult. But two things we need to learn about forgiveness and how you can forgive someone. Here's number one, verse three. You need to identify with the person that has wronged you, that has caused you pain, someone that said something against you, you, someone that's done something against you. You need to learn to identify with them. Where do I get that from? Verse three. Notice Jesus says, if your brother sins against you, It's easy to skip over that. Jesus does not say, you remember that guy that used to be your brother, he's no longer your brother anymore? You remember that guy that used to be your sister, they're no longer your sister. Your neighbour, they're no longer your neighbour. Jesus does not say that. He's saying, if your brother sins against you, they're still your brother. If your sister hurts you, they're still your sister. Your neighbour, they're still your neighbour. Mark 11, lest we think this only applies to Christian relationships. Jesus says in Mark eleven twenty five, and when you stand praying, if you hold anything, listen to this, against anyone, forgive him. So it's not just your brother or sister. It's not just Christian relationships. It's it's a core, a radical call, a hard word to practice forgiveness with everybody you come into contact with. That's impossible, but Jesus says we need to do it. Your brother, your sister, your neighbour, they're still your neighbours even, or should I say when, they hurt you. They're still in that key relationship with you. One of the things that uh, makes forgiveness so hard is that ability to see other people's faults so clearly and not ourselves so clearly. It's like uh, the thing that I've never done because I've never had the courage. And that is when I'm up in uh, Oxford Circus to go and see to go and see a cartoonist. You know those guys, those caricature artists? I never have the courage to go there because I know what they're going to do. They're going to make my eyebrows even bigger than they are. They're going to make my ears smaller than they are. They take something, don't they? Something about you, and they make it huge. They take your nose if you've got a slightly oversized nose, and now it's huge. It's all they can see on your face, and the tiny little eyes behind it. Or if your eyes are slightly set back, now they're right at the back of your skull. Whatever it is... They take a small thing and they make it into a huge thing. It's funny, as long as, unless it's not you. And Jesus says it's very easy for you to caricature people. So the person that's harmed you, they always hurt everybody they come into contact with. You start to use words when you describe them like always and never. They're so harsh, they're never kind. They're always doing that. They're always running people down. They never understand. They, yeah? And we can just tend to caricature people. But when it comes to ourselves, lots of charity. No, no, I never do that. I never struggle with that. That must be very difficult for you. And we can caricature people. That's why forgiveness is so hard. And Jesus says, the first thing you need to understand is that they're still your brothers, they're still your sisters, they're still your neighbours. You need to identify with the person that's hurt you. You identify with the person that's done you harm. We're a mixture, just like the person that's hurt us. We find things hard, just like the person that's run us down. You're basically the same 
as the person that has wounded you. And if you don't see that, you can't even begin the journey to forgiveness. You need to say that they struggle with sin just as much as I do. There's level ground here. Sometimes when I've not told the whole truth, there's sometimes when I fudge my accounts, there's sometimes you need to see people, not as caricatures, but as people who are valuable in the sight of God, just as you are. People who make mistakes just as you do. No superiority, no caricatures, clear-sightedness. That's the first thing you need to do or you'll never get rid of the root. You need to identify with the wrongdoer. Think of the similarities that you have with them. Think of the struggles that you share. You need to say, I'm weak and I know that they're weak too. And therefore, you can begin to make the journey to identify with the person that's done you harm. The second thing, verse three, is that you need to pay the debt. You need to pay the debt of the wrongdoer. There are two ways for a debt to be repaid. Either you pay it or someone else pays it. But it needs to be repaid. This word in verse 3, the word forgive, is a, is a financial word. It's a banking word. But what's really interesting is, not only is it a banking word in, in New Testament Greek, but the, the writers, namely Paul, and from the lips of Jesus, take this word and they apply it quite broadly. So it's not just a financial cancelling of the debt. It can be used to forgive wrongdoing, to wipe out the debt of sin, to wipe out and so on. It's, it's clearing the account, it's clearing the balance, it's getting it back to zero. Someone pays it or you pay it, but the balance needs to be paid. The check needs to be paid for. Remember those things, checks? The, the bill needs to be scrubbed clean. Someone needs to pay. The second thing, if you need to forgive someone, is not just identifying with them. Someone needs to pay. Either you need to pay or they need to pay. And more often than not, the easiest thing in the default position is to make them pay. What do I mean? You've been harmed. You've been hurt. You've been misunderstood. You've been slandered. So what do you do? You want, you don't want to get even. You want revenge. So the easiest thing to do is always to give that person the cold shoulder. Someone in your family someone who has hurt you, someone in the workplace, you turn away. You turn the shoulder. You walk out of a different door so you avoid talking to them. You know how it's done. You think it's so childlike, but adults do it, and I've done it too. You avoid people. You can shun people. You can hurt people. You're trying to make them pay for what they've done for you. You can run them down with your mouth. You can say unkind words. You can uh, ruin their reputation. You can even kind of do them harm. Hopefully not physically, but at least verbally. Because you want revenge. You're going to make them pay for what they've done to you. You're holding on to the debt. I'm not going to pay. You're going to pay for the harm that you've done to me. Someone's got to pay. So you make them pay. But Jesus is saying the only way that forgiveness works is that you identify with the person, number one. The second thing that you must do, you need to pay the debt yourself. It's natural to want revenge. It's natural to make someone else pay. But Jesus says you don't just identify with the person. You need to pay the debt yourself. That's the only way forgiveness works. It's not a feeling. It's a decision. You need to make payments to wipe off the debt. It's going to be hard. It's going to be costly. You think it's impossible? So the disciples, they said, increase our faith. We can't do this. But Jesus says you need to pay. The debt needs to be paid for. 
Oh yeah, how? How do you do that? When you see the person, you look them in the eye. When you talk about the person, you talk kindly to them, not about them. If you're speaking about them to someone else, you don't run them down. You're not making them pay, you're going to pay. You speak kindly and charitably and in a Christian way. You want to affirm them, not run them down. You want to praise them, not ruin them. You want their good, not their harm. That's a sign that you're not just identifying with them, but you're also trying to restore them. You're trying to pay the debt that needs to be paid. In your own heart, what you long for is that person's prosperity, not their ill. Why? Because you don't want to run them down. You're trying to pay the debt. That's how forgiveness works. Recognising that you make mistakes just as they do. But if the debt is not paid, forgiveness will never happen. If you continue to make payments on the debt, if you continue to speak kindly for them, if you pray for them, that God might prosper them and teach them and grow them in his likeness, then and only then will you find that the debt is starting to be repaid and forgiveness is possible. I find this so hard. In my heart, this is how it works. I love to run people down on the inside and do nothing on the outside. But Jesus is saying, if you're a disciple of mine, you know what? You need to stop doing that. You need to build people up on the inside and on the outside. And it is so difficult. Forgiveness is just a word. No, it's not. It's an action. It's a decision. It's an assumption of the debt. Someone has to pay. And more often than not, I find it easier to make people pay. But these words are a hard word because it's saying, one of the signs that you're a disciple of mine is that you pay the debt. You practice forgiveness. You speak kindly. You build up, not smash down. Either you make them pay or you pay. But if you're always making other people pay, the debt will always be there and you'll never ever be free. It took me 11 years for a debt to be paid. 11 years that that was gnawing away at me, popping up now and then. 11 years to deal with before a debt was paid. I was making the other person pay in how I thought about them and how I spoke about them to other people and their lack of kindness to me. And I had to repent as Jesus put his finger on my heart and said, you need to pay the debt. You need to assume the debt. You need to pay, not them. You need to identify with people. You need to assume the debt. But how on earth do we get the power to do that? How do we get the power to forgive? Jesus tells a parable. He always does that. He says, you don't get it because you're so slow of learning. You think you need your faith to increase? Let me tell you a parable. Verse 6. If you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could see what I'm asking. And then Jesus tells a story about a man who had some servants. Verses 7 to 9. There's an owner of a house. He's a very wealthy man. And he gets to the end of the day and... He gets home and he decides to say, you know what, you slaves, you servants, you've been working so hard, why don't you kick back? I'm going to make you a martini. I'm going to fix you whatever you want. You've worked really hard today. No, he doesn't say that. Verse 7, he doesn't say, hey, you've done your time. He says, I'm the owner. You're the servants. I've had a hard day. I want some food. I want some drink. 
I don't want you to recline at table, but I sure do, because I'm the owner and you're the servant. You serve me. I don't serve you. We need to remember the roles. If we are going to forgive people, we need to remember the roles. What do I mean? Look at what the servants say. The servants don't say, hey, of course we're servants, relax. That's what we're supposed to say. But we need to understand why Jesus says this parable. And it's kind of strange when we read it until we remember what happened in the first century. In the first century in the Roman world, if you were bankrupt, if you had a debt to pay, you could not file for insolvency. You could not write off to HMRC and say, hey, I've got this huge debt against this farmer. You know, modern day, or the olden day Tesco's, I've really kind of wrapped up a huge bill and I just can't pay it. And Tesco said, that's okay, I'll put a line through it and write it off. That didn't work. Somebody had to pay. And if you had racked up a huge grocery bill, if you had been on one too many uh, journeys in the ancient world, someone had to pay. And the only way to pay was either you went to prison And so you paid with your time or you paid with your life's service. You became a servant. Those were the only two ways. There was no grace. Someone had to pay and you would be made to pay. It was either prison or a life of service. That could be a year, two years, ten years, depending on how much you owed. That's the background to this story. Why would it be wrong for the servants to say, hey, owner, please will you scrub up a bit I've had enough, I've had a busy day, there's sweat on my brow, there's dust on my feet, will you wash my feet, will you fix me some food and some drink? Because they're still paying their debt. That's why it's wrong. And Jesus is saying, look, we all have a debt, but we need to remember who we are and we need to remember who paid for the debt. I think it is wrong if you think that forgiveness is a matter of, hey, I'm going to grab you by the throat because you've done wrong to me, you've done me harm. I'm going to make you forgive me. I'm going to make you uh, work really hard until you've worked hard enough for me. I'm going to make you pay. If that's what you think forgiveness is, it will never work. You'll be in the control for 11 years at least like I was. It's not making other people pay. You've got to pay. You're a servant, says Jesus. We can say, I know what that person deserves and I'm going to treat them harshly the way they treated me. You can say, I'm going to make them pay. But if you are acting in that way, Jesus is saying, stop acting like an owner. You're a servant. Stop acting like an owner. You're a servant. Remember your role. Identify with the person. Pay the debt. I don't know what you mean, Jesus. Well, let me explain. You think that you are an owner, but you're not. You're a servant. So you think, well, how how does that work? What's the solution? Where's the power for that? It's always in the gospel, isn't it? It's the old, old story that says, actually, we need to remember the one who was the true owner, Jesus, and yet he became the servant. We need to remember the size of the debt that we owe to God, the debt that was paid in full by Jesus at the cross. He used those very words, those very financial words, tetelestai, it's finished, it's paid in full. You had a huge debt that you could never pay. Thousands of years of servitude would never pay enough for this. And so God pays. The owner, the true owner, became a true servant to pay the debt that we could never pay. To cancel our debt in full, to pay for our sins and rebellion. And Jesus says, I'm not going to pay it in part. 
With my life, I'll pay for it all so that you'll never have to be my servant. Remember Ernest Gordon saying, I could never pray those words. I could never pay for my enemies to be forgiven. A breakthrough came as Ernest Gordon grew in his Christian faith and he went back to the cross and he understood the gospel and more of it. He said, I recognise that it was no easy thing to call that figure on the cross Lord. I heard again his words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. This he had said, for he was innocent, whereas I was not. Humbly, I had to ask, forgive me and my enemies, for we know not what we do. Ernest Gordon began to not just end all wars, he began to learn what forgiveness truly meant. He began to identify that he was a sinner that needed forgiveness just as much as his captors did. He identified with them. And he said to God, I need the debt to be paid. Help me to forgive them just as you've forgiven me. This is so practical. Friends, are you having problems in your life because you've not forgiven someone? Maybe someone right in this room. Maybe a parent. Maybe someone you need to pick up the phone to or Skype even this afternoon. It may be somebody at work. Maybe someone in a different part of the world. The only way to have the power to forgive somebody, to pay the debt, is to see the beauty of the true owner who became a servant for you, who paid the debt not in part but in full. When you see his beauty as the ultimate owner who became the ultimate servant, only then do you have the power to forgive people. If he's forgiven me everything, how can I not forgive my friend, my brother, my sister? There's the power. As Jesus says, if you just know who you are, you'll have all the power you need to forgive anybody. We need to remember the true owner who became the true servant to pay for our sins, not in part, but in full. Let's pray. Father, remember that song, that sorry seems to be the hardest word. It's not. Uh, forgiveness is definitely a hard word. And this is a hard word as a disciple of yours. It's so easy to say that you didn't really hurt me, no, that's okay, or to laugh it off. But there are wounds in our hearts that run decades old. Please would you help me, please would you help each one of us when people slight us, when people say something in our face or behind our backs, when there is great temptation for a root to grow into a tree, to grow into a huge plant, and unbeknown to us it can just fester away, please, by your spirit, would you help us to grab hold of it and to uproot it by the power of your spirit, by believing the gospel afresh, even this morning. Help us please to see the love and beauty of Jesus. Thou who was rich beyond all splendor, all for love's sake, became as man and paid our debt, not in part, but in full. Amen.